You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Ian, look at this. What, it's a police box. What on earth are you doing here? Hey, these things are usually on the street. A beard. Are you doing it? Hey, it's vibration. It's alive. Earth Station Who, a fun mashup celebrating nearly 50 years of the Doctor Who universe. Hold tight. You never know where the TARDIS is going next. You're probably a bit confused right now. I broke the glass. It's all come back to me. This. What is this? That's my ship. What? Let me take it from the top. Hello. I'm the doctor. I'm a traveler in space and time. And that thing buried down there is called a TARDIS. Time and relative dimension in space. You're gonna love this. Hey there, everyone. Welcome to our first live streamline on going on StreamYard for Earth Station Who. And we are going to be talking all about essentials of Doctor Who tonight. My name is Mike Faber. I am the host of Earth Station Who. Let's introduce our crew for everybody. Let's, of course, welcome first the talented and lovely Mary Ogle. Hey, Mary. Hi, everybody. Welcome to StreamYard. This is pretty big for us. Yes, it is. Wow. That was a pretty nifty intro you made, I have to say. Oh, thank you. Thank you. We actually have our friend Jason Delatori to thank for that wonderful ESO oh, intro. Thank you so much, Jason. We appreciate it. And of course, Mr. Mike Gordon is here. Howdy. How are you, my friend? I am peachy keen and yes, ready to stream away. Are you? And of course, for you, you have to say, howdy. <laughs> of course. Of course. Of course. <laughs> So that is awesome, sir. Welcome to everybody to who's listening right now, who's watching. We've already got four people. All right. Oh uh, we also we also have a guest with us, of course. Let's welcome Melanie Dean. Hello, everybody. Hey, Mel. Welcome to our show. I'm always, always excited when I get asked to come back on here. And then I heard that you guys going to be on StreamYard. I'm like, oh, now you guys get to learn these boxes. So, yeah, I know these boxes and I'm still like, because ah, on top of everything, I need to try to figure out how the heck I'm going to get this over to the Earth Station Who page of Facebook. Yeah. So, yeah. It's so we're going to also have a couple other folks joining us in a little bit. Um, we're going to have a few different individuals who will be joining us in a, to talk all about Doctor Who Essentials. But it's pretty cool what's, what been going on doing a live show like this and we would love you guys for everyone at home we always of course it's feedback at earthstationwho.com and please listen wherever you find podcasts are found um we definitely would appreciate it we are there too um we also are going to announce a little bit later some news about dragon con and mm -hmm. so we'll be talking about that at the end of the show but as of right now um Welcome. We are so happy to have everybody here. Uh, if you have any comments or anything, those on Facebook or YouTube, 
we also have a few listeners there um, who are going to be watching this live. Uh, we can, you can also um, do comments and such. So we will be talk, put, taking your comments because we want to, this is the way we do our shows when we do live ones, we do interactive. We want you guys to ask us questions or comment and either myself, Mike or Mary will go browse the comment section and we will be talking about what we can see in everything and who we could talk to and everything and questions about Doctor Who Essentials. And, you know, with Doctor Who going through another regeneration in October, we are getting real excited. And a lot of people always come up to us either at conventions or just in general and say, hey, I like Doctor Who, or I'd like to start watching Doctor Who, but I don't know where to start. And this we thought it would be a great way to get a conversation going and doing it live and talking about where's the best places to start. What are episodes, you know, if you want to learn about certain characters to talk about, or even, you know, Hey, I've heard about big finish. Is there any suggestions you guys have for that or comics or even some of the novelizations and such? So we'll get all into that. And it should be a ton of fun to be able to do that. Um, Mary disappeared for a second, of course, because it's live. But of course, let's, uh, we also have one of our guests joining us. Let's welcome Matthew Kressel to the show. Oh, Matthew disappeared too. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be one of those nights, folks. That's right. We Hi, are. You can we'll do this. Walking. I believe in you. I know. I know. I'm clicking my heels right now going, there's no place like home. There's no place like home. <laughs> but, you know, I'm hoping that'll work. So... It's um, awesome to have folks wanting to be on the show. And um, Doctor Who news-wise, let's hop into that a little bit. There really isn't any new Doctor Who news yet. Um, literally, you know, there's rumors coming out. There's conversations of, you know, different, you know, rumors and as we always say on the show, we don't talk about rumors on it because when we ever talk about rumors on the show, we always, always you know, we are always wrong. Exactly. So, you know, I think it's pretty cool. But I know, Mary, you saw a new trailer today featuring a certain one of our favorite companions. You want to talk about that real quick? I did. Yes. You did. Okay. About Graham? You're talking about Graham. We're talking about Graham, the best companion ever. That's the best companion. That's not just a companion. That's the companion. That that is the Uber companion. The Uber companion. Hey, Matthew. Hello, everyone. Hello. All right. Yay. As the BBC in its infinite wisdom has decided to come out with a compendium of Graham highlights, which you can find on the BBC YouTube channel. And of course it is absolutely awesome because Graham is the one and only. Yes. You know, since we're talking about Dr. Who essentials, it's essential that we uh, spotlight Graham first and foremost. <laughs> yes. Of course, you know, talking absolutely. about essential all the way right there. Graham right should there. always be front and center. So awesome, folks. And you know what? It's interesting to be able to talk about, you know, our favorite companion, Graham, Graham, Graham. You know, it's always the best way. So 
I'm very interested to, you know, see it when the new trailer for the BBC 100th anniversary is going to be coming out. Um, you know, it's already almost mid-August already. Yeah, it'd be nice if yeah. it came out soon, BBC. Yeah. You know, may, maybe announce a, an actual date. <laughs> I think they, I thought they had a date already. I thought they said sun, it was either su- Saturday the 15th or Sunday the 16th. I don't remember. Yeah, well, that's just it. It's either or. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, I'm pretty it, sure they know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's not. It's not that they don't know. It's that they never announce it till the last minute. Yeah. Right. I mean, in all fairness, we know about as much about the Doctor Who Centennial Special as we know any of the other Centennial stuff that's been announced. So, <laughs> I mean, the BBC's keep. You know, every, it's being kept close to their to the BBC's chest for reasons best known to the BBC. Hmm. Well, one of our Facebook users said, I like Graham, but I'm afraid Sarah, Jane, and K9 are my favorite. And then another Facebook user said, you all hate me, but my favorite companion. <laughs> Not yeah. all of us hate you. We don't, we don't all hate you. you. Just, oh, okay. so just, just, favor, just favor over there. Whoops, where is he? Over here, somewhere. Uh, some, somewhere. Oh, no, ninth Dr. Rose, yay. After yeah. That. Yeah. <laughs> no, that <laughs> Exactly. And it's funny, too, because actually Matt Smet- Setman, uh, Mark, Matt Sweatman, I could talk tonight, yes, folks, um, thinks we know more about the 60th anniversary specials than the um, <laughs> the anniversary special coming out. Yeah, you, you have a point there. Mm, that's probably true. Exactly. So it's interesting that, you know, what they're releasing and what they're not releasing. So it's well, it's same old, same old. It's I don't know what it is about their marketing department, but they always release it as late as they possibly can, which I don't understand because you think they'd want to hype it a little more, you know. You would think, yeah, you you really would think, and it's interesting, you know, that we have all these different, you know, means of getting news and getting stories out. But they've been very tight-lipped about this anniversary special. Um, and, you know, we've been seeing tons of shots. God, if I see more pictures of David Tennant as the doctor, you know, <laughs> and everything, it's, I'm just, it's like, come on already, you know. Yep. And But it's interesting. We have not seen any pictures yet of Shooty at all. No, nothing yet. That that, that one they've been able to keep very tight lips, and I I honestly think it's because they maybe they're filming more on a stage, maybe that they're trying to get everything sixtieth out of the way first. I think they're I think they're done now. Maybe I don't know because I mean we were getting so much news left and right because of one rumors people who were just taking pictures from the set who were just like I don't care I'm just going to indiscriminately spoil everybody. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, the BBC having to get in front of a little bit of that and trying to making announcements. But yeah, you're right. We haven't seen any photos of Shooty. We haven't seen any news or anything else. So maybe they've been being more, they're, they're either trying to protect where they're shooting a little bit better. They're probably inside stages and not having to do PR announcements because you have all the paparazzo doing it, you know, is that exacerbating it? Yeah. Well, Exactly. Exactly, exactly. So it's, you know, so I love this one. Somebody wrote, I could look at pictures of David all day long. (laughs) (laughs) 
the the other thing about that too is that we saw pictures of uh you know david with Catherine tate and uh the recently late bernard cribbins and i think that was also because uh, they needed well. to film a lot of that material first because apparently they all it was pretty yeah. it was pretty well known that they that he was ill of health so they wanted to make sure all of his scenes were shot first and foremost so mm-hmm. um i think maybe that's why uh we saw that that stuff was released first because they that's what they shot first yeah yeah well and it was a lot of outdoor shooting too i mean well, exactly. there's, there's yeah. chatter that they are still shooting but it's inside sure a lot more yeah. easier to control that way mm-hmm. yeah which which i think is incredible thinking that Bernard and everyone and his, his team knew, look, this might not have much time left. Lord knows, Lord knows if whether or not it was a, he might not have enough time left just to perform. Maybe they didn't think that it was a, no, we're, we're about to, that, that he'd be moving on to his next great endeavor. Maybe, I mean, just, just if, if trying to compartmentalize my thoughts here, if a, they knew he was terminal. Oh my God, the tenacity this man had to keep working when you're yeah. that close is mm-hmm. it just mind boggling to me. Or if it was just a matter of he might not be able to be perfor- getting to a stage of performing anymore and definitely has to stop, go ahead and start filming it now. And then maybe it was even a shocker of, of the announcement of his passing thinking, oh, we thought we were just trying to be fat, get fast because, you know, his, his energy levels aren't as great as, as they are not. Oh Lord, he, he was ready to pass. We, so yeah, either, either way, I'm just floored that one, that they were able to go ahead and push production so quickly to do it. And two, just the testament to his, his, again his tenacity to go yeah i'm gonna perform let's do this yeah yeah exactly i mean no matter what happens with uh that uh you know special episode whatever you want to call it uh we know that that scene in particular is going to tug at all our heartstrings oh of course of course of course and yeah of course you know matt sweatman is not above the chapnel bashing already (laughs) And Matt, of course, it says, if I trusted Chibnall more, what? I might actually Chibnall be excited bash? that we almost know nothing about Whitaker's final coming Let's up. see, what time is it? 14 minutes. Wow. That's, That's not bad for us. Us. I was going to say, I'm surprised it took us that long. <laughs> Shocking, isn't it, folks? And go. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Now, da, 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 da. But, yeah, it's it's interesting. And it's funny, in an interview that Matt Smith just did, recently you know because he's talking about his new show that he has the game of thrones uh, prequel house of dragons he um said he's wondering if he's too old now to play the doctor (laughs) oh matt matt we are sweet this is the same matt smith who was in a scene with tom baker like come on man (laughs) i mean it's not even out of his 30s yet shut up man For most, for all of us who are up here right now, 30 was so far behind us, you know? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe he was just being funny. I I can't imagine that was sincere. No, I don't think so. So it's it's interesting. And it's going to be very interesting to see what they come up with. And, you know, the master or if it's going to be the Cyberman or it's going to be all the above, if you're going to get still the renegade doctor, you know, everything all tied up in a bow. No, this is chill. Yeah. This is chill. <laughs> I think that's the one thing we can pretty much predict accurately. 
<laughs> so yeah, somebody on Facebook. He's young enough to be my son. <laughs> it wasn't me who put that. No. So it's awesome. And it's going to be very, very interesting to see what is going on and with Doctor Who and what's to come. And, you know, when are we? Because after the October special, we don't know yet when we're going to get more Doctor Who news wise. And, you know, it's going to be very interesting to see. Are we going to get a holiday special or, or are we going to get different specials throughout the year? And then they're going to do a regular series in the following year. We just don't know. So mm-hmm. lots of rumors, but no confirmations. Yep. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting. It is very, very interesting to see. And you know what folks, I'm going to be very curious that we, where we go with it and where we are going to have, what's going to happen with it. So best of luck with Dr. Who best of luck with everything to come and other Dr. Who news, um, very minimal stuff because we're unwaiting and everything, but so be it. Um, any other things we want to cover before that you, anyone else has heard or anything? So we're all in the same boat folks. Mm -hmm. So, so it's interesting too, because, you know, we're doing this live and we're just going to go plow through. We're not going to take a break when we get into the main topic. So as I said, at the beginning of the show, we're going to be talking about Dr. Who essentials and basically, you know, Dr. Who essentials, The way we're going to define it for tonight is where would you recommend somebody picking up Doctor Who or where like for a first episode, where would you recommend them if they somebody said, oh, I started watching Doctor Who, but I've what are the Daleks? You know, where did I see them the first time or the master or the Time Lords or whatever, Weeping Angels even. And It's, you know, or we could even say, talk about things that we should stay away from, essentially. So, (laughs) you know, that's a, that's certainly one definition, but I also feel like, you know, these aren't necessarily our favorite episodes. No, definitely not. But I think these are important moments, important episodes, must-see moments of the franchise, right? Exactly. And this is like must-see stuff or must-see TV for Doctor Who. And, you know, which you know, what explains things, what, you know, what, you know, would make sense for people to watch without having to have to relearn or learn the show for the first time. And, you know, I'm going to just start it off. And a lot of times, you know, especially if somebody is daunted by the almost 60 years of Doctor Who, I always tell people to start at a regeneration episode of any of the doctors and go from there. Because anytime you have a regeneration, most of the time, it's, you know, literally, you know, a, a fresh start, you know, it's a reboot, it's, a re- yeah. it's literally a reboot of the series. Mm-hmm. And that's the great thing with Doctor Who is the show keeps on reinventing itself. You know, a lot of people I always say start at Eccleston because that, that is the true reboot of the for the new series. And it's 
interesting with that. But, you know, they also, I felt like they also did that a lot with Matt Smith's, you know, doctor with the 11th hour. And so yeah. it's, because as we've mentioned before, like the regeneration episodes, as, that's a perfect example because the regeneration episodes are often not the best episodes, right? Like, no, I mean, some of them are not, <laughs> some of them, some of them are good. Some of them are very good. There's even a couple that I would think are, are like really some of my favorites, but generally speaking, you know the the, uh, the the regeneration ones are uh, are not the, the the sort of the best ones because the 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 person playing the doctor is pretty rough. A lot of times you've got a new creative team joining, so they're still learning what, what how they're going to work and what the rhythm of the show is. So it usually takes a little bit of time for uh, it's you know the uh, the juices to start flowing, so to speak, right? Uh, there's still, as uh, one doctor said, he's still cooking, right? Like in the first few, <laughs> in the first few episodes, right? Like, right. Actually, Matt actually said, I encourage people to watch new Who seasons in order, but classic Who stories can be easily jumped around. And so, I kind of agree with that. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think that's coming from a perspective of. I mean, I understand where you're coming from, but I think if you know more about Doctor Who, then it's easier to say you can jump around in classic. But if you're somebody who's new to it, I think it's going to be harder for you well, to I, do that. Well, that was my experience with classic. Oh, sorry, Millie. Oh, no. I was going to... Sorry. I was no, going to say ahead. in classic, I'm used to the... If you know which arc you're watching, yes, because, you know, there's like four episode, four episode, you know, that kind of an arc kind of thing. Right. I could see where you could jump around, but... If you accidentally jump into like the middle of an arc, yeah, you're going to completely you're going to be lost. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was going to pick up what Melanie was saying there, which is that that's actually when I got into Doctor Who, I came in through Classic Who. So I started with the Five Doctors, and then went and did the Three Doctors, and then went and did the Seeds of Death with Patrick Troughton, and then did the whole Key to Time season because that's what my local public library had. And I mm -hmm. think in, in some ways, I think the Five Doctors, even though it's it's the 20th anniversary story, is a wonderful jumping on point for people who are in, getting into Doctor Who, particularly Classic Who for the first time. Because not only do you have the first five Doctors, you've got a whole host of companions. You've got Gallifrey, you've got K-9, Dalek, Cybermen, you name it. So it's it's because it's a celebration of everything, but it doesn't tie into the ARC stuff in the same way that, say, the Day of the Doctor does. You know, where it's suddenly it's time war and multiple doctors and everything else. It's very, it's a very good place to do that. I think those first two multi-doctor stories, five doctors and three doctors, are kind of a good point because you get multiple doctors in one go and you get a feeling of kind of everything that this show is capable of. It's, yeah. it's like a nice, it's like a, a nice sampler. Right, like, like, like <laughs> this is what this doctor's like, and this is what this doctor's like. Exactly. You don't get now. You know, you don't get much of a sample, a great sample of the fourth doctor, but um, everybody else is pretty well represented there. And uh, um, I would, but I would, he, he, was, and a, I do he think, was a great mannequin, Mike. He was a total yeah. great mannequin. I, I do think. He was a I, stiff in his performance. Uh, <laughs> I do think that. Um, uh, I, I do think that the fifth, the five doctors story could be considered essential. Yes. I, I do think that's, that's a, a pretty landmark event in the franchise. And, uh, that, you know, a lot of people I know started watching Doctor Who from that, uh, from that special. Yeah. I mean, I think I would, this is Doctor Who is one of those things where I would say, do not start with the first doctor. <laughs> 
because it's going to confuse you because it's actually so different from the rest of Doctor Who. Yeah. That that it's something I would say watch watch some of the later episodes first and then go back to that. Yeah, I I of course, you know, for me if we're starting if we're starting essential episodes, the first uh the very first episode on Earthly Child to me is like I'm not sure if you want to start there per se, but it is essential viewing. Like oh, I do absolutely. feel like you, oh, you very really, much like so. everybody needs to watch the first because I'll tell you what, I it was a long time as a Doctor Who fan before I finally saw it. And when I did, the one thing that surprised me is how much uh I recognized in in that story as far as the format, the the way things work, the TARDIS is there. There's a lot of things that you know, I know that they change things, as you said, Mike. Yeah, Doctor Who's all about change, but there's a lot of things that are still different. Right, the right, roots, exactly. The roots of the series are right there from the beginning, from the and, very first uh, episode, because yeah. you know, because yes. you know, the Doctor almost hits everybody over the head with a rock. <laughs> you know, maybe not everybody. Yeah. 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 So that's, it's that's not actually in the very first episode, but it is in the first story. You're right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Or the doctor wanting to leave the companions behind, you know? I mean, in some ways, we're lucky those first three stories exist in their entirety in the archive. You think about how much of 60s Doctor Who is missing. You know, those first three stories, because I I watched them for another podcast, you know, going through the show in chronological order. And that was the thing that was really surprising is how much the show changes from its original idea of what it's going to be in an earthly child and it's, you know, the Daleks really kind of so, so, sort of cement the idea that this is going to be a science fiction action adventure series. And then you mm-hmm. don't get the first Doctor and those companions as we've come to know them until you get to Edge of Destruction, which is, it's a wonderful two-part story um, set entirely in the TARDIS because they ended up running it. They didn't, they didn't have the budget to start doing the next story and that scripts weren't quite ready. So they basically wrote a two-part filler story and put it all in the TARDIS. And it's one of the best bottle stories or episodes you're ever going to see for any show for that matter. Well, that's one of the things, Matthew, that's actually really. Those two episodes, the characterization. I think we're having a little bit of a lag there for a second. Yeah. Sorry, Matthew. I didn't mean to interrupt you. But um, one of That's the things good. that we're very lucky right now in this era is we've they've found a lot of the missing episodes compared to how they were even 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. And they've been able to restore some with the audio that still existed and everything and made animations up. And it's especially it's all classic series, specifically the first and second Doctor era. But they've been able to complete because of finding episodes of the third Doctor. They because there was some missing there too. For a bit. do they still even have the scripts for those particular episodes, or is there just? I'm they, sure the, script, the scripts they, are somewhere. Yeah, they they do have scripts often um, because the BBC had a script library. So they have the scripts as they went out. They were essentially transcribed. So that's what exists in the BBC archives. Transcriptions, um, yeah. Yeah, and a lot of the writers and some of the cast members kept their scripts from those productions. And it's from those scripts that they're able to kind of see the little changes that were made between the right sort of the writer the writer's office and the script editor's office, the rehearsal room floor, and indeed the production itself. Mm-hmm. And okay. in some cases we even have the camera scripts, so we know exactly what shots they 
use, which is a huge help in actually doing the animations and reconstructing. Okay. Yeah, I always kind of wondered that. Because even then, if they, with the animations, if they didn't, if they wanted to go even a big finish route, they could even do that. I was just, I was always kind of wondering because I know that there's these missing, you know, there's episodes missing, and what was it? The last ones that they found was happened to be in the South Africa that that they they found in some some tapes somewhere and when some buddy's mm-hmm. addict yeah. or what have you. I think mm-hmm. it was I think it was Nigeria, and they found them at a TV TV relay station where they've been sitting there since like the seventies yes. or the eighties. And it's just incredible to think that there might still be episodes out there. My favorite one is an episode of the Daleks Master Plan that was found in the 80s in the basement of a Mormon church in the UK of all places. Wow. (laughs) Wow. You never know. There could still be some out there. Wow. Everybody's a secret Doctor Who fan. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It's really interesting, too, though, because, you know, with these lost episodes and... You know, there's certain stories I don't know if we're ever going to see, you know, something sure. like the, the Highlander or, you know, or, you know, even certain other doctor stories like from the first planet, you know, from and the, like the Daleks and stuff that they had. It's just interesting that, you know, there's maybe one or two episodes still in existence, but they can't, they don't have the rest of it and they don't, even don't even have audio to be able to, you know, create from it. But now, yeah, I, oh, I was going to just say, and I'll let you speak, Mike, in a sec, but I was just going to say, um, I know they're slowing down right now on the animations because of budgets or political, what's going on with Doctor Who right now. Stupid accountants. Exactly. Because yeah. I know it actually, it, it's, it's interesting that... You know, so, certain ones, and actually Alan just popped in, and he actually said, actually, the audio recordings exist for all yep. missing episodes. So that would be interesting, because, yeah. you know, I know when we did our reviews originally of the Regenerations, we had to do the audio of, like, the tent planet, and at the mm-hmm. time, also, what was it, Power of the Daleks? I think you're right. And yeah. so, and it was just, so it was interesting, because we were going through... Re- regenerations at the beginning and you know for me you know it's just it's just interesting to see where we you know you want to get started with but you know for a newbie with doctor who you want to do you know something that's doable because it is daunting to say oh you have to watch all 60 years of doctor who to understand yeah i mean that's i mean yeah you don't at all (laughs) no 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 there's some that yeah i think we would um well, it's a personal thing, but yes, there are some that we would probably discourage completely. Um, but I, I think, uh, well, I mean, as Matthew said, we're really lucky and fortunate that version, I think two versions, right, of The Unearthly Child uh, uh, survived so that, because I think it aired twice because of the Kennedy assassination and all yes. that, and they changed some yeah. things, right? Um, yeah. But, um, uh, and also the story right after that, uh, which is the Daleks, which is like the big bad for the doctor. Um, I think that's really amazing that we have those two that survived um, because there are not, I mean, as popular as the Daleks are, not all the Dalek stories have survived. Um, I'm kind of wondering for like you guys, what you feel, because I don't know if I would put, I mean, certainly it's interesting that first uh, story with the, the Daleks, 
I don't know if I would necessarily say that's essential, but I, I, I can't see having a list of essential episodes without having the Daleks represented. Yeah. Well, so I don't exactly. know if anybody out there has another idea for a Dalek story that would be considered more essential than the first one. Um, the Ninth Doctor Dalek story. That's is pr- the one I, I would choose. Yeah. Absolutely. That's pretty solid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I think because that you, is a very, very reint- good reintroduction of the Daleks. Yeah, yeah. And it's such a good exploration of the Doctor's feelings around the, Do- the Daleks and why he feels that way and the rage. That, that he doesn't usually display, but that really, you know, almost gets out of hand in that mm-hmm. episode. Also, Matt uh, Sweatman actually said my other one, too, Genesis of the Daleks from the Fourth Doctor era. Yeah, that that's the way I was thinking, it. too. That It's got one of the most famous scenes of yes. all Tom's run mm-hmm. and all Doctor classic Doctor Who, where he's making the decision, you know, he's gone back in time, do I end the Daleks before they begin? Or yeah. do I let them go? And it's the, really the first time that we've seen the doctor really have that, you know, conflict. Yeah. The mm. problem with picking Genesis, though, is it's much more of a Davros story. It's much more about the creator <laughs> than, yeah. it is, this... than it is about them. And in some ways, I think if you're going to pick a classic who Dalek story, you've got to go either for the power of the Daleks, which is now, you know, preserved in audio and animated. Uh, but if you want a complete surviving story, my pick actually would be to go for the Dalek invasion of Earth. Oh, yeah. that's a good it, one too. It's the first. It's Doctor Who's first alien invasion story. It's the best of those first Doctor Dalek stories, but it's also got the first companion exit as well. That wonderful speech Hartnell does at the end of it. You know, one day I will come back, and so forth. Mm-hmm. Which they've played yeah. over and over and over. <laughs> well, it's, 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 it's a good because, speech. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a good speech, and they don't have that many clips to choose from. So, yeah. <laughs> True, but it's also the first <laughs> companion leaving too. Yeah. Because you had Susan leave. Yep. And, you know, that's a whole different story. I still think um, Susan is the, uh, the whatever, the timeless child. But that's a whole another discussion. <laughs> <laughs> I threw it out there, damn it. Sure, sure, sure. sure. I, I think if you want an essential companion story, you can go back to the first doctor and say the Aztecs. Because oh, yeah. Barbara's arc in there. Is is actually quite powerful, especially with the companion coming to realize mm-hmm. the consequences of trying to change history. Oh, very much so. Very, very much so. And it's like, nope. You know, fixed point in time. <laughs> that wonderful <laughs> saying. But you know, there's it's interesting too, because the Daleks obviously are the doctor's biggest bad guys. And everything, and I think second to that probably would be the master, or the Cybermen, or the Cybermen, yeah. and and the I know the tenth planet. You know, did they ever fully animate it, or is it you know just audio only still? Wasn't that one they, they animated the last episode because that was what was missing? Okay. Yeah, you got me, me stumped on that one, but I, I you know. More so than the tenth planet, if I was going to pick a you know beginning story to start with the Cybermen or whatever, I, I would go with Tomb of the Cybermen uh, for two reasons: one, because it's a really amazing story, and two, because I think this is really uh, it's the Second Doctor and his companion, uh, ja- his companionship with Jamie, that to me really sell the idea of a Doctor and a companion working together. In, in a in a in a great way. I mean, I think to me, like Jamie is the first like 
companion that I was like, I really like this guy and I hope he doesn't leave. <laughs> like <laughs> you know, like for, before that, it's just a revolving door, right? It's the doctor and then whoever for a few episodes and then someone else and then someone else. But Jamie's the first one that you're like, man, and they had such a good rapport together, the actors, that I just felt like, you know, this one, this could go, I hope he doesn't go anywhere. This could go on for a while. And in, it's true. He sticks around for a while uh, more than I think the others do. And there's another, like, there's other companions that kind of go, uh, is it two or three, right? That that serve at the same time. Um, well, you started with... Uh, is it Vic- somebody else and then Victoria, right? Yeah, it was... Uh, the. It was, uh, yes, and you're stumping us there, Mike. Thanks. That's all right. No, no, no. And, well, I knew it. I knew that Victoria and Zoe were uh, two of the ones. I thought there was a yeah. one before that. No, before there were. Victoria ben and Polly well. come before. Ben and po- yeah, Ben and yeah. Polly, because Ben and Polly come from the first Doctor era. Yeah. And they carry right. over. But but I was talking about who somebody who was with Jamie and the no, Doctor. No, yeah. it, was, it was Ben and Polly and Jamie. Okay, gotcha. And then, oh, that's right. That's right. And then that's Ben right. and Polly leave, and then the next episode of Victoria comes. Gotcha. And, okay, that's right. That's right. But I mean, then, so you have somebody sticking around with the Doctor for the first time, while the other companions kind of revolve, like you know, go through the revolving um, door. And I and I think that you know, to me, it really clicks when Zoe joins, and they're like a great trio, one of my favorites of all time. But I, I, I mean, I think like for like I said, so for me. Tomb of the Cybermen, it shows, shows the Jamie-Doctor relationship very well. And it also is a great Cybermen story. So to me, it's like, I would put that as an essential as well. No, I could understand that. I totally understand that. Because Jamie almost was the whole length of the second Doctor era. And because I think the sto- second story was Highlanders. And that's yeah. where they brought him in. So... You know, and then he was with them all the way through the end of War Games. Now, right. if you don't want, if you want somebody to not follow Doctor Who for that long, <laughs> do not have them watch War Games. It's ten episodes, yeah, and it's long. it is very long. <laughs> and it's a fantastic story, but pace yourself, get into it, and everything. And it's just it's different pacing and classic Doctor Who. You kind of have to be aware. Yeah. 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 And it's interesting because a lot of times then you started having, especially like during like the fourth doctor era and such, you didn't have companions overlap all that much because you had, you know, Sarah who was carried over from the third doctor era and you had Harry and then Sarah, Harry left. He was Harry. I was like, was only like a part-time companion. He was only on a few a few yeah. episodes, but then you had Sarah and then she left and then uh, Leela came and then the two mm-hmm. Romanas after Leela left. Yeah. I mean, it's like that with the third doctor too, except for units always there. But I mean, we have, uh, uh, I can't remember her name. Liz, Liz, Liz Shaw. Shaw. Thank you. Liz Shaw. And then I knew it was an LI something. I'm like, Liv? No, it's not it. Uh, Liz Shaw. And then Joe Grant. So Joe it's Grant. like, boom, boom. Like they, they don't overlap. No, exactly. And it's interesting because, you know, Unit, again, was all through the whole Third Doctor era. Yeah. And you had the Brigadier, you know, through that. Do you, do you feel like there's an essential Unit story? For me, I think it probably, for me, it's the invasion. You know, the Second Doctor story. And with the, with the Cybermen. Because that basically is... That's like, long, too. 
Yeah, it's six episodes. <laughs> yeah, <Eight. laughs> just invasion is eight. <laughs> Is it eight? eight? It is eight. Yes, it's oh. eight. They're all oh. wonderful, but it is eight episodes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's, but it's interesting too because that for me is a very essential. You that unit was introduced in during you know the the one with the snowman, and that's yeah, where the brings the yeah, and Web not the web of fear, and then they returned in invasion, and that's where. Uh, Brigadier became Brigadier. He wasn't Colonel anymore or whatever. And it set, it basically set the blueprints for the whole third doctor era in that, in that storyline. And then of course you had some amazing unit stories. And I think one of my favorite was the, uh, the Damons mm-hmm. and everything was just an awesome, awesome. Cause you had the Brigadier at his best and some yeah, that's where his uh, most famous line comes from, right? Yes. Cap with uh, wings there. Five rounds rapid. That's exactly. it. I knew Matt would know. <laughs> Thank you, Matthew. <laughs> yeah. I knew it was five rounds rapid, but I was like, I can't remember what the beginning of it is. Yeah. But it's interesting because, you know, Unit basically went away with the fourth Doctor era. And they made, like, two appearances during that time. And it was kind of sad because it was a nice little tie-in, but the doctor started going through the whole universe and everything because he had the TARDIS back and it wasn't possible to have unit tag along, have the military, you know, come along with it. Yeah. Yeah. Just hop on board. We're going to go do this now. Wait, what? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I, uh, I, you know, I was thinking about Tom's run as well. And I was trying to think of a, uh, something that would be essential there. Um, and the one that Genesis of the Daleks, we've already talked about. I think that one is pretty much speaks mm-hmm. for itself. But uh, I think the other one to me that really like speaks like, oh, I, this uh, this is an important episode beyond just being a good one is Deadly Assassin. Uh, it's the first time that we see the Doctor by himself without a companion. And I think... Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's the first time we really learn and see Gallifrey, a lot of it. Yeah, I mean, I know Gallifrey, we, we've been there before. Right, point. right. Right. But the, it, no, the, the assassin one was when, you know, they, it, it, they came up with the Time Lords with the big collars. And, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, That's yeah, where the big collars happened. come from. Let's exactly. Think of as the Time Lords. Exactly. The first mentions you, you, of Rassilon and all of that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was it was it was very groundbreaking for the time because before that, whenever you saw the Time Lords, they wore just like black and white robes and stuff like that, or yeah. they were in costume to appear like an Earthling, you know, type thing. Mm-hmm. But they were floating in the air or something like that. <laughs> so, but yeah, um, but it's it's interesting too because you during the Third Doctor era, you also got introduced to the Master. And ah, Roger good, yes. Roger Degato mm-hmm. chewed up every scene that he was in, and yes, I, I can't not recommend any of the stories with him in it. You know, I, just, I, just to watch him alone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> true. Well, exactly, and you know, like he was in the, the Damons, but you know, also his first appearance was awesome you know because you know when you had the him with the autons and 
So it was, what was that power? That wasn't power of the autons, was it? Terror of the autons. Terror of the autons. That's right. So, so yeah. And Delgado, you know, I think to this day, I think Delgado is the gold standard for the master. And we've had some amazing masters. I'm not saying that at all. I would you know, say Mint maybe the only one who's really on par. It's, yeah. it's difficult for me to call her first appearance an essential because, God, that that's hard to watch, that two-parter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, she's wonderful. But the rest of it, there's a lot of stuff that I cringe at. Oh, the Cybermen story when they yes. brought the Cybermen back from the dead and I almost stopped watching Doctor Who. That's the opposite of essential. Yeah. Yeah, that, that is an unfortunate story choice. <laughs> what, you, you guys didn't love Cyber Brigadier? Come on. Oh my God. <laughs> no. Yeah. No, it, you know, God, if there was if there was one thing we could like, maybe we'll have to do an episode on that. But if there's something you could like take away from the franchise, like that would be like high on my list. Yes. You know, if, if you want essential Cybermen, I'd actually say go to Big Finish and listen to Spare Parts. Yes. Yes. That is such a wonderful story with Peter Davidson and uh, Nissa. It's Nissa, right? That's yes. It. Played by Sarah mm-hmm. Sutton. Yes. Yep. And oh my God, it's such a good story. It's so creepy. It's hard to be, do creepy body horror over audio and they manage it. I mean, the whole, the whole atmosphere is just, uh, and there's a, there's a, sorry. No, no, go, go ahead. There's a wonderful sense of sort of grim bleakness to it. I mean, it's yes, sort of, exactly. and it's, it's the genesis of the Cybermen that we never quite got on screen. And it did influence when they brought the Cybermen back in modern who. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, yes, uh, it did. And then, Age of Steel. Yeah, um, unfortunately, that is not as good a episode. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But it's interesting. Yeah. Um, actually, Matt Swetman actually brought up a good point. Another good essential one would be Silence in the Library from the new series. Because that's a Doctor and Donna storyline, but it also introduces River Song. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's a weird one because it's where these two very different eras of who Russell T Davies' first era and Stephen Moffat's kind of wonderfully come together, uh, and just it's mm-hmm. just a wonderful melding of them. Because you know you've got the timey wiminess because rivers they're out of order. You have Moffat's kind of idea that things are never quite what they seem, but you've got the ultimate Russell T Davies era to Doctor and companion team there. So it's it's a wonderful story. Oh, it yeah. is. And the great thing about it, that was the first time the doctor met someone who was very important to him that from his future, that he didn't know mm-hmm. who she was yet. That, that, mm-hmm. that knew more about him than he knew about her. Exactly. Yeah, I really love that uh, man playing around with time like that. Uh, Moffat was the king of that. Yeah, I mm-hmm. miss that. <laughs> and that's what we've said on the show multiple times is Moffat was the first showrunner really to play with time travel, like to do things out of order or to, you know, actually be able to, you know, have the doctor appear in different periods and, you know, be able to, you know, with the impossible astronaut, you know, he get the, the 11th doctor gets killed. Spoilers. If anyone hasn't seen this up. And, but oh, we spoiled a lot more than that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know, but it was, it was awesome because, you know, you know, you, ha- you saw the doctor killed and then all of a sudden a younger version of himself comes out of the bathroom 
Oh, I was invited here too, you know. And River Slaps. <laughs> yeah. And he's yeah. like, and he's like, you know, I think I probably deserve that somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Moff- Moffat was the master of nonlinear storytelling. Yeah, yeah, there's some other like in Classic Who, there's some other moments where it's used really well that um I appreciate. There's one and and it escapes me. I mean, here we are talking about essentials and everything. It's like, and I can't remember names of episodes and all that but there's one story where the doctor actually takes i think it's one of the companions to the future and shows like a bleak like you know oh that planet was and Spirit of mars yeah yeah and says like like this is what'll happen like this is the this is the future if you, mm-hmm. we allow this to happen so we can't yeah. let this happen and go and i'm like well that was cool like he's yeah. never done that before Mm-mm. If you, if you uh, like the kind of Moffat era timey wimey stuff, there's a Fifth Doctor story with the Brigadier in it called Modern uh, Dead, yes. which yep. is it's wibbly wobbly timey wimey vintage eighty three. Is exactly yes. what it is. <laughs> Very much so. And when the two Brigadiers meet, all hell breaks loose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh that brings us to you know um I think in our last uh, review episode. We reviewed the very first uh, episode, uh, first story, rather, of the uh, John Nathan Turner era, which if you want to bash Chibnall, we can do that all day long. But, you know, uh, sure, let's start. (laughs) But uh, but with John Nathan Turner, I think, uh, you know, that I might actually want to be bashing a little bit more, although I knew no, I do know. Just like Chimnall, a lot of people like that era, those eras, and I certainly don't mean any disrespects to either of the, those fans. Um, so I, I'm, I ask you if do you if there's a something that you feel is essential in the John Nathan Turner era, the Curse of Fenric. Okay, why why do you say that? I mean, in, in some ways, it's the ultimate Seventh Doctor story. It's kind of the Seventh Doctor era is a really interesting one because the show kind of creatively rebounds right at the very end. Mm-hmm. And it's, in fact, in the middle of rebounding right at that moment when the BBC decides to cancel it. I mean, the problem with the John Nathan Turner era is, is that, it's, as I think he himself admitted later in his life, he stuck around too long. You know, the average was for producing Classic Who was you stayed there for three seasons. And John Nathan Turner stayed there for almost a full decade. Mm. And, and, and uh, well, yeah, and for, <laughs> he got stuck and couldn't get out. And part of what goes wrong with who in the mid 80s, as we talked about, I think the last time I was on the show was when we did Vengeance on Veros. And one of the things we talked about there is that you essentially had a producer and a script editor who increasingly didn't get along in the form of JNT and Eric Sayward. In Andrew Cartmel, who comes in and basically show runs the writing portions of the Seventh Doctor era. There's fresh energy brought in. There's a whole new blood mm-hmm. there. Cartmel comes in and says, I'm going to let's make the doctor a darker, more mysterious figure again. We know too much about him. And let's give him a companion he can actually get along with. Um, mm-hmm. It's one of the other problems with the sixth doctor is Perry. And it's just, it's, it's the bigger fest, which is weird because Colin Baker and Nicola Bryant got on in real life. But that's, that's a whole nother conversation. Curse of Fendrick is in some ways the distillation of everything in the Seventh Doctor era. And, you know, you've got McCoy at his finest. He's sort of, he plays the lighthearted when he needs to, but he's really there to be darker and whatnot. It's a pivotal story for Ace, Sophie Aldred's companion there. It's set in World War II. And it sort of proves that even though the show is basically running on a shoestring budget at that point, they're still able to bring out the best in it. You know, they they pick a World War II setting because the BBC does costume drama well. By, mm-hmm. by Jove, they do here. 
Oh yeah, the, very much the so. ancient one in the Hemovores, you know, the the sort of blood sucking weird vampire things from the sea, wonderfully well realized. It's it's sort of classic Who going out on the high and survival, which follows it, which is the last story, is an interesting story in its own right. But really, classic Who's last high watermark is the Curse of Fenric. Oh yeah, because when they did, you know, the final episode, they didn't know it was going to be the final episode either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and everything at the time. They were they they thought they were going to come back with it and everything. Yeah. For me, during the John Nathan Turner era, I have to agree again with Matt Sweatman. He's like reading my mind. Caves of Androzani is, mm. I think, one of the best regeneration stories, and just I think it's the best story of the Fifth Doctor era. Yeah, and I mean, it's too bad he didn't get a decent story till the end. No, yeah, exactly. yeah. I think I think uh, I think. Yeah, I think Peter Davidson goes on record saying, like, man, if they were writing was this good before, I wouldn't have quit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, let's not forget, you know, the fifth doctor also had Earthshock, which is what you were talking about the Cybermen earlier. You know, there's one mm-hmm. of those great Cybermen stories in that one and, as well. And that and we there's one, Yeah, that's that's that might that's be considered an essential right moment. There. I mean, that might be considered an essential moment because I think we'd lost companions before, but not like that. Yeah. You had lost companions during the first Doctor era. But, you know, since then, no. And it was very rare. You know, either the the Doctor married off one of the companions or they decided uh, that they had to leave or something. And when they announced Earthshock, they didn't even announce that the Cybermen were back before that. And that's why the title of the story didn't even have, you know, Earthshock of the Cybermen or something like that. And it was, it was interesting. And then for them to obviously kill off Adric at the end. And it was real interesting to do. And it shocked a lot of people. Yeah. And a lot of people were like, this is a children's show. You shouldn't be doing that type of thing. And, you know. Yeah, I still say it didn't have perhaps the emotional impact it might have because it was Adric. Yeah, <laughs> but it's it's or interesting Adric. too because you know, you know, later on the Doctor is able to control the TARDIS more and you know can materialize the TARDIS around somebody as the things around it are destroying and everything. Yeah. And but the Doctor couldn't do that with Adric at all. No, no, no. he's no. like, oh, sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> Not going to happen this yeah. time. Sorry. Six points are five luck, pal. Yeah, exactly. Well, well, if I had to pick a uh, essential uh, time uh, episode or story from that period, uh, to me, it would be Remembrance of the Daleks. Uh, I oh. think it's a great Dalek story. I think, uh, you know, um, the doctor makes a decision that's kind of uh, anti what Tom's decision was in in, in Genesis. So it's like a uh, almost bookends that kind of thing. And uh, and Ace is just amazing. I mean, you know, again, famous scene, right, of Ace uh, clobbering a Dalek with a baseball bat. I mean, that, who who can't love that? Like, it's just full of really cool moments. The Doctor going back to, I mean, they're all going back to that, that school. And, and it's just like a lot of really rich stuff in that. And it's the first time you got to see a Dalek actually go upstairs. <laughs> <That's true>. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know. The greatest, you know, invasion force in the galaxy, and they couldn't go up a flight of stairs. It was always the biggest joke. Yeah. 
It just occurred to me, we've gotten almost an hour into this discussion and talking about Classic Who. We haven't mentioned City of Death. That's true. That's true. Is it is it's a great it's a great story. Is it essential? I'd say it was. <laughs> <laughs> or I wouldn't have brought it up. I mean it, it's true. essential in many ways. Um First off, it is the top-rated Doctor Who story of all time. It's there. There's no Doctor Who story that was seen by a larger UK audience than that story. Never mind. It's because the only other channel at the time was on strike. That's neither here nor there. <laughs> it's also the triumphant. It's the best story from the year that Douglas Adams wrote for the show. I don't disagree with that at all. Yeah, and that's largely because Douglas Adams had so had to go take somebody else's plot and rewrite it um, because. God bless Douglas Adams, huge Hitchhikers fan. The man, you know, he's one of those writers who did not know his way around the plot. And in the case of City of Death, Douglas Adams got handed somebody else's plot, and he was able to put his dialogue and his ideas on top of it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's Mm -hmm. why City of Death works as well as Mm -hmm. it does. Yeah, we were talking about Tom earlier. There's sort of, there's three Tom Baker eras. There's that first era with Philip Hinchcliffe where he's kind of settling into the role. He's a bit more, there's a bit more of a darker edge to it. He's a bit more serious. He's funny when he needs to be, but he's more serious. There's that middle era, which includes City of Death, where he is very much, it becomes comedy at times. It almost becomes self-parody. Um, yeah. Largely because, as, as Tom Baker himself has said, he got got handed too much control and got too full of himself. I am the star of this show and so forth. And then you get that last year, you know, which was John Nathan Turner's first year producing it, where there's a more there's a more morose feeling to him, I think, because he's being reined in and also because he knows he's going to go. City of Death is, is one of those places where the Tom Baker comedy half hour actually works. But it's also because him and Douglas Adams got along so well. So that in a couple of places in that story where he has to be serious, he plays it seriously and he brings his A game to it. Also, him and Lala Ward, you know, sparring off each other with her playing Romana is just, you know, and Paris, come on, Paris <laughs> in the springtime, people. Uh, uh, uh. It, is, even... it is a nice, nice travel log. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You also get John Cleese. Yeah. Which is awesome. Yeah. It is, it is pretty cool. And, you know, let's actually, you know, essential companions joining or leaving the show. What would you guys think mm. for that? Let's go. Let's, let's ask Melanie. Cause I don't think she's picked an essential episode as her story. No, she hasn't. She's been a little too quiet. <laughs> she's just, she's, been, she's been just smiling and nodding the whole time. Well, classic isn't exactly my, my forte. It's a matter but of, I could, mean, I've it, seen it, it but could. it's like essential. I'm like, just get in there and have fun. I know. But what about new That's series? Fair. Which, which you know, Do you have an essential companion story from the new series? Let me think. Uh, I would. Ooh. Oof. Donna is my favorite companion in the new series, hands down, and I'm gonna go with her. Her coming back, um, not so not runaway, not runaway bride, but when uh, she comes partners back in for crime. that partners in crime. Oh, yeah. I just I thought that was just such a well written episode in that that scene where they ad-libbed and were like we're going to have one of the best scenes in Doctor Who and there's not going to be any dialogue we're just going to have it mind and I just I just absolutely I loved it and I think for me it was very refreshing granted yes I did like Rose as a character I had no problem with the whole lovey-dovey blah 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 someone on Facebook agrees with you there Rose (laughs) I have a problem with Rose um 
loved Rose and then got the fact that, okay, they had to separate them. Fine. That's great. Um, got to do that in Doctor Who. Go for the heartbreak. Fantastic. It's great. It's great storytelling. But the whole, I thought they did Martha wrong and that the whole, oh, she's going to pine for the doctor the entire time. And I'm like, this is a pre-med doctor smart. You're giving her all these amazing episodes, especially the one, the, um, when they go back up, back in time and he's been fob watched. Human nature. Uh, human nature. Oh, human nature. Family, family of blood. Yep. Family of blood. Great episodes. But still, here we are where Martha is. I think they gave her that, 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 that. They just gave her a ball and chain to have to drag through with the, okay, do all this, all this amazing stuff through this episode. And you still have to pine after this doctor. So when we do get Donna back and his partners in crime. I'm glad that they completely said, look, there is no way, no how, no romance. That's not going to happen. We're getting rid of that facet. Da, da, da. I was just so relieved because I'm like, good. I just want good Doctor Who stories. And to me, that did give me a little bit more of that that feeling of a classic Who that I did watch, at least with Baker and whatnot, where I'm like, I don't need the romance. I mean, I it- love the romance with Rose, but don't I don't have to have that over and over again. Give me just good stories. So that was my big Donna. And I'm I'm fun. so glad they did not have any kind of romantic thing between the doctor and Donna. Oh, absolutely. And, and I thought that was brilliant. And I thought it made for a much more solid season because mm-hmm. of that too. Oh, mm-hmm. they made fun of it. Because whenever someone would say husband and wife, they're like, no. Oh, no, 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 no. no. Yeah. Oh, he's too skinny for me. Yeah. <laughs> Now it was always awesome and everything for new series. You know, I think I've eaten crow twice on the new season and I've eaten crow about Donna cause I didn't like her in runaway bride and I was, but she became my favorite companion for number 10. But then I also ate crow about Nardo too with Matt Lucas. Mm-hmm. And I actually liked him a ton and I thought he was he was awesome and everything. And we all ate crow for that. Yes, yeah. we did. And you know, and it it, it was tasty, but you know, it, <laughs> the, the irony about eating it at the same time was kind of bad. But it was it was interesting too, though, because there was different companions I loved. You know, I liked Jenna Coleman at first, but I just think they never figured out what to do with her character. And everything, and you know, well, they I, did too much. They did, and then had to run it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. it it was interesting because I loved her. Like when I saw her in Asylum of the Daleks, and they surprised everyone by bringing mm-hmm. her in. She was great that, in that, and she, yeah. she Souffle was girl. Awesome. Yep, mm-hmm. Souffle girl, yeah. and that's how I picture her all the time until I watched Sandman, and you know. <laughs> then you know now, now she's Joanna Constantine. Oh, yeah, exactly. Now she's uh yeah. It's like, oh wow, okay. Language. Exactly. <laughs> I I still wish they had kept the version from the, of her from the snowmen. That was the original plan. And indeed when they shot most of that, that was what they were gonna go with. And I really wish they had stuck with that. I mean, Snowman's one of my is my favorite of the Christmas specials, of the modern new mm-hmm. Christmas specials. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's the one that no, no, never failing in the nine years since it's aired. I will sit down. I've sat down somewhere Christmas time every year and I've watched it. And sometimes I'll watch it in the middle of the year just because. Um, 
but that's that one's a lot of fun too and she's a great character in that and there's it's i still mm-hmm. sit around sometimes and wonder what might have been for her as a character if they had kept her or if it kept that version I, I i mean but the other thing too is that the problem with clara is that she, she became a character in search of an exit too because they couldn't decide if and when to let her go so you have not one but three clara oswald exits as the show goes, goes along across something like a, what two seasons worth between seasons eight and season nine. And then in the middle of it, you know, you've got last Christmas and it's just kind of like, you know, let this character go, please. Well, I know <laughs> she was originally supposed to leave yeah. at the end of last Christmas. Yeah. And mm-hmm. she changed her mind while they were producing it. And she, they were like, Oh, cause they were going to have her leave as the old lady. And yeah. Yeah. it would have been a fitting end. I thought it would have been perfect. And nope. Instead, she's flying through the universe with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, I think Moffat exactly. had written her conclusion just absolutely brilliantly, especially for a character who had so many different... I mean, she went back and, and saved all the Doctor versions. So she had all these other little... Mm-hmm. You know, she had a very... She had a, a storyline that was very complex, and he was able to take that and write it just, okay, we're going to end it beautifully. And then she decided, I'm coming back. And I think he wrote him. He wrote himself into something that he tried his damnedest to get her back into. Okay, well, here we go. We'll, we'll, we'll make it so that you don't believe it's the doctor. But she's seen the, every other version of him. How is this happening? I think he's going to run himself out of that. No, agreed. There, there was a lot of times where he, I think he was overly ambitious and then a lot of things got convoluted. Um but I will say, if we're talking about the Moffat era, actually, if we're talking about all of New Who, and maybe even the franchise itself, I can't think of a story that's more essential than the Day of the Doctor. Mm. Like that, to me, is like the mm-hmm. like the high pinnacle of Doctor Who, New Who. Like it's just like I mean, for a fiftieth anniversary, yeah. Like it, mm-hmm. like there was so much pressure. Like, how is he going to deliver? Is this going to be any good? Blah blah blah. You know, whatever. Uh, going into it, that that finale was kind of iffy. You know, and then we get introduced to a new doctor, a war doctor. How yeah. is that going to work? And there was so many questions going in. And then watching it, I was like, oh my god, I've seen something so brilliant. I immediately watched it again and again and again. It's one of my favorite storylines of all time. And I think it really does set the tone for Doctor Who, like, of the future. Mm-hmm. Oh, it literally yeah. did, because it introduced the new Doctor even before. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. Yeah. 12 Doctors? No, 13! <laughs> and, yeah, and, uh, and, when... and then he sneaked in this little bit with the 8th Doctor beforehand. And yes. gave us yes. his, uh, his, you know, a regeneration scene for him. what exactly yeah and it it's interesting too one episode or actually mini short they should have made i don't know if you guys know about ps which is the farewell to amy and rory oh Mm. yes yes and basically um i don't know if they ran out of budget or they ran out of time i don't know the full story behind it but they have the storyboards up on YouTube in a video form. And Arthur Darvel is um, basically narrating the script. And basically it's the story of what happened to Amy and Rory. Yeah. And um, basically 
uh, Rory's father finding out about what happened and him getting to meet his grandson, who is the same age as he is. So, isn't it Chris Chibnall who wrote that? Yeah, because uh, it was, yes. as I understood, yeah, as I understood, <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Suddenly he hates it. No, I, <laughs> yeah. no, it's a beautiful story. I, I will yeah. never hate that. No, it's very well written. Yeah. Yeah, as I understand it, that was originally written for Power of Three, which was the episode that came before uh, Angels Take Manhattan. Mm. And they didn't film it because even though it was written and Arthur Darville had actually recorded the speech, which is why they have that, him reciting, reading the letter over it, they decided it was too big of a spoiler for what was going to happen in the next episode. Mm. And also, for those who don't know, Power of Three had a troubled production because of one particular actor, Steve Burkoff which is the reason why that episode ends so weirdly. And because of that, and because of how much time and attention had been played to trying to salvage something out of that performance and those scenes that they shot, they didn't have the time to go do it anyways. And they just decided, you know what, for story, yeah, this doesn't fit in to the episode anyways. And also it it perhaps oversets up what's going to happen next episode. So, but it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful little side piece, but as a writer myself, I can see it probably just, I don't think it quite fit the tone they were looking for. And, you know, I agree. Of, I don't think it would have either. Yeah. No. I mean, one of, the, one of the hard things about editing is the old cliche of you have to kill your darlings. Right. And I think that that scene is a, is a perfect example of that. But it's actually yeah. almost more powerful in the way that, that you see it just presented as the, as the storyboards. Yeah. It's very spare and it's very effective, the, the narration over it. Yeah. I mean, the thing about deleted scenes is that they look great in isolation, but you're mm-hmm. seeing it in isolation. You, you're you not seeing it in the context that it would have been in mm-hmm. if it had actually gone in the episode. And I think a lot of times, joys of the internet is we have fan edits of almost anything and everything it feels like. And people go in and they reinsert scenes that were cut and everything else. And I actually did that one time out of curiosity with Power of Three. I watched the episode and then as the episode was wrapping up, put on that scene and kind of went, you know what? That's a, that's a... 180 degree <laughs> handbrake turn. Yeah, it would not out. have worked. Yeah. Yeah. It would have felt yeah. just tacked on. Yeah. And that and that's that's the half season. It's Rory and Amy's last half season. Right. And I know and I know Mike and I and a few quite, there's a we we built this theory that we we're actually watching it out of order. Like the stuff that happens at the end of the season like Matt goes back and actually has adventures with them. Uh, beforehand or something like that. Cause he knows, cause it just, there's something about those first few episodes. It feels really weird. Like Matt knows something that the doctor knows something that they, that they don't. And mm-hmm. um, I wish they kind of played around with that. I wish that Moffat would pull the trigger on something like that. Cause that would have been really innovative and really cool, but it, it, it's another thing that just didn't come into play. Yeah. Well, they, they reference it on screen because there's a, there's a reference at the beginning of town called mercy where somebody mentions leaving the phone charger and hindered the eight's bedroom. Yes. Yes. And we see that scene inside power of three. Yeah. 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 And I just, yeah. So I, uh, yeah, I wish they'd really been able to take that idea and really form something special with it, but you know, we get what we get. Yeah, I mean, exactly. that's one of the, the joys of something like Big Finish, because I think that's, that you know, when people talk about why doesn't the TV show do do something like what you were just talking about, part of that is, is that, yes, you know, it's there for us, you know, us the fans, but it also has to appeal to a wider audience. Mm-hmm. And one of the joys of things like the novels and the Big Finish audios and the comics is 
they they just have to appeal to us, the fans, who are going to go out and spend the money on it. So they can do all kinds of wild and crazy stuff. You know, there's storylines at Big Finish that went on for literally years where they would do three or six audios a year toying with that story. You know, where you could do, and because you only have to get people into a studio for a day or two a year, you know, you can stretch out a storyline for a decade or more that you could never do on TV because it takes too long to produce and people want to go do other projects. True. Yeah. Very, very yeah. true. Yeah. It's like, inter- go ahead, Mary. No, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I think, you know, if, if, if you're an eighth Doctor fan, then you really need to explore the big finish uh, audios and, and the books because there is a wealth of good storytelling around the eighth Doctor that, uh, you know, will completely wipe out <laughs> what you saw in the movie and in a good way. Like if, if you're talking about a book, I would recommend one called Crooked World which is uh, one where the eighth doctor lands in a cartoon world uh, that's been created because a child crash landed on a planet, but this is a planet where thoughts become reality and her dying mm-hmm. thoughts were of the cartoon she used to watch. And so she, um, the, the whole world, it's like a parody of Warner brothers cartoons and uh, only they're very stagnant. They're playing the same storylines over and over. And when the doctor shows up, he, he gives them, sort of accidentally gives them free will and it's a fascinating story and a wonderful exploration of the eighth doctor so i definitely recommend checking it out oh very much so and it's it's awesome because some of the books because if you ever get a chance human nature which we talked about earlier with the Mm -hmm. tenth doctor is a great seventh doctor and it's a great great story it's it doesn't resemble the story that we saw on tv all that much but um, it's, it's pretty amazing. And for, you know, fans of some of the side characters and such big finish is great for that. Also, you get, um, river song, you get the Paternostra gang. You also get Django and Lightfoot. You yeah. get, mm-hmm. uh, Sarah Jane adventures. You get, you know, there's all these other stories they call them. The, a lot of them are what the companion chronicles they have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And so there's, it's some amazing stuff. Also, Big Finish has alternate history of the third doctor with the, with David Warner, who just passed away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're going to pick, funnily enough, even though Warner's an unbound doctor, as they call him, if you're going to look for somewhere to start at Big Finish, I'd actually go to his very first audio called Sympathy for the Devil. Yes, it's not canon per se, and it's set in an unbound universe. But if you want a great example of what Big Finish does in terms of writing, in terms of the casting, because that thing's got a heck of a cast. Not only do you have David Warner in it playing this alternate third doctor, you've got Nicholas Courtney playing a different version of the Brigadier. You've got some chap named David Tennant playing a very disagreeable unit colonel. And you've got Mark Gatiss playing the master in that. But it's also a wonderful example of what Big Finish does in terms of production. It's a little audio, it's basically an audio movie. It runs about 80 minutes and it is a full scale audio movie. And, you know, if you're looking for places to start with Big Finish and you're not worried about canon or you've heard with David Warner's unfortunate passing recently, wait, he played the doctor at Big Finish. That's a great place to start. And I also want to second, Mary, we were talking about earlier about spare parts. Mm-hmm. Um, spare parts is another great place. If you've never heard a Big Finish audio before, that's a great one to pick up. You may be creeped out by it, but it's a great one to pick up. There's some, oh. there's some really good stuff there. Um 
And, and Mike, I know we're getting ready to to wind up pretty soon, but I know I don't think we can get out of here. I mean, I know we uh, have no. We have all the time stuff. in the world, guys. Come on. I, I know, I know, we have no bash and everything, but I, I, we, I don't think we can really close the discussion without talking about Jody's run. Uh, I mean, to to leave out Jody in a list of his Doctor Who essentials seems to me like that's just criminal, right? So. Um, uh, let me ask you guys if there are any stories uh, starting from the woman who fell to earth to, you know, the last one we saw um, that you guys would feel would comfortable putting on an essential Doctor Who list? Rosa. Rosa. I would yeah. absolutely put Rosa. Rosa on the list. And I would add um, Tesla. I mean, the Tesla yeah, episode yes, was awesome. Tesla. I mean, there's some flaws, but the, mm-hmm. I, they're, I think, just wonderful. Um, explorations of historical characters and the way Jody interacts with them is amazing. Mm-hmm. I also like the, what was it? Demons of Punjab. Yes. Oh yes. That mm-hmm. one's a good one. Yeah, that mm-hmm. one was also good. That was the first time I had heard about, you know, when Pakistan mm-hmm. and India separated mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. you know, then they recently touched on it again um, during Ms. Marvel. Yes. And so I thought that was, you know, and there's so much history that, here in the United States, we don't know about. And for us to be able to see stuff like that was, you know, just awesome. Uh, the Weeping Angels story they did during Flux was mm-hmm. amazing. Yes. It made the angels scary again. Yes. And, and it's pretty funny because, you know, going back to older new series, a lot of people I've, who asked me, where do you want to, where should I start Doctor Who? I actually tell them to watch Blink first. Because it's a Dr. Light story. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I know my wife, actually, that's how she got into Doctor Who. I told her to watch Blink, and she was watching it on an airplane. And she was, <laughs> like, horrified. <laughs> and everything. So it's it's pretty cool. Um, there's a couple other of the Jody era that they're not bad, folks. They're not all bad. Well, I mean, in terms of like, you know, I mean, it remains to be seen if it's going to be followed up and what's going to happen. But I mean, Fugitive of the Jejun is a really big deal. Like, like Mm -hmm. that's one of those stories that could that has the potential to change the franchise forever. Um, Now it just remains to be seen. Is it going to like (laughs) like uh, open that door? Is he going to close it? Or is RTD going to close it or ignore it or what's going to happen? I think that's one of the main questions we have going into this whole changeover is what's going to happen with that, the stuff that Chibnall has started with that. And I think the same can be said too, for that matter, for timeless children, love it or hate it. And it is divisive out the wazoo, but it is the biggest continuity canon shakeup that Doctor Who has had possibly since Deadly Assassin. You know, another yeah, Gallifrey right. story that we talked about earlier, because it mm-hmm. is, it's a pretty big one in yeah. terms of that. But I got know. a feeling it's all going to get wiped away. <laughs> <laughs> I never heard of a timeless child. What are you talking about? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's we'll interesting. To, but yeah, and it's, you know, there's so with that episode, though, they when they introduced, um, you know, the Ruth doctor and you know, we thought when we, oh, the Jadoon are back. Okay. Oh, Captain Jack is back. Oh, this is awesome. And boy, were we not prepared for what was what? <laughs> Exactly. 
And, you know, that's why I have it as the opening of Earth Station Who. You know, it's a great scene. I've, you know, I broke the glass, you know, I got my memory back. And it's just, it's just awesome. And, you know, for me to go, wow, and be surprised like that from a Chibnall story, I was impressed, <laughs> you know, and it's awesome. Uh, another story I think, you know, I couldn't actually two stories I want to recommend for people who, you know, want to catch up with Doctor Who. Uh, Van Gogh, you got to recommend the Van Gogh story. Mm -hmm, yep. um, Vincent and the Doctor. Vincent and the Doctor is one of the most beautiful stories ever. But then also the doctor's wife is mm -hmm. another great story. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so, you know, and those are both from the new series. Um, but, you know, I think there's so much where you could start at, wherever you want to feel comfortable with, you know, jump in with both feet, as I'd like to say. There's a whole universe ahead of you and you're going to have a blast, you know, and just have fun with it. And listen to Earth Station Who because we can help you with that. You know, it's really <laughs> awesome. You know, not trying to pat myself on the back there or anything, but it's pretty awesome. Real quick, um, w one episode. If you had to re recommend one episode, we'll go through the panel. Start with Melanie first. So, ah, of course. So. The bad thing is, I, I, in my top of my head, I could tell you a book and I could tell you a, a big finish. Uh, an episode, you just said the two. Perfect ones. Oh, God. I, of course I did. <laughs> I don't know where to go. <laughs> you can name Someone's... one I've named. Oh. Vincent and the Doctors. Oh, whenever somebody asks me if I'm going to start in Doctor Who, I always recommend two different episodes. Or if they're going to get completely into new, into Who, I always say Vincent and the Doctor. Start, just watch that one. If you, if it resonates with you, if that monologue by uh, that's delivered by Bill Nighy at the end doesn't make you start crying i don't know what will um but in a good way good tears good tears good tears um otherwise I, I i'm with with mike on um the 50th the 50th is a great episode that if you're if you're a classic person that's getting trying to get back into it or you're completely new it's going to be very timey-wimey it's going to be all over the place you're going to see you're not going to know what's going on but the good thing is anybody who's watching the show Current, currently all the way up to that point, they didn't know what the hell was going on either. So you're not <laughs> going to get confused. You're not going to be like, well, what about this? What about this? It's a great ride. And then you're going to see the curator. And that makes my heart sing. And oh, you yeah. see more, yeah, and there's more curate, curate, the great, the curator is also in uh, Big Finishes Stranded uh, with the eighth doctor. So highly recommend that too. Should That's awesome. Matthew, what about you, sir? I'm going to, um, actually go with one that we've mentioned earlier which is the 11th hour if you're gonna if you're gonna stick with modern who um it's gonna be the 11th hour um if i can cheat a bit and pick one for classic who as well i'm actually gonna say spearhead from space the beginning of the third doctor era oh yeah because yeah. And, so, and there's a lot of there's a lot of overlap between those two you know they're both earthbound they're both introducing new doctors and the thing about those stories is that those doctors the third doctor the 11th john pertwee and matt smith they arrive fully formed in a flame and if you want kind of a feeling for what classic who could do and for what modern who has been capable of it's got to be one of those depending on you know whether you're going to put up with the 70s production values or not oh sure but it's funny too because in that episode both doctors uh steal clothes from a hospital Yes, I'd forgotten about that. So, <laughs> so it's pretty awesome. Awesome. All right, Mary, go ahead. I think 
trying to come up with one that we haven't talked about yet. I think I would say Midnight because it's a very contained episode and you're almost, you're watching it from the same perspective as the other people on the ship. You do not, you're the audience. You have no idea what's going on. And David Tennant's performance in that is amazing. It's one of his best performances, I think. And it's it's got the whole Doctor Who oeuvre, the the sort of weird alien presence, the the psychological horror, the heroic sacrifice, and in a very contained space. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Agree with that completely. It's a good episode. All right, Mr. Mike. Uh, going for one that we haven't discussed, uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to uh, pick the husbands of River Song. Uh, the doctor in his whole franchise is, is actually married at one point. Um, and I think there's no better episode or story that shows their relationship in a romantic way as that special. Um, it, it is a great bookend to silence in the library. I think, um, it's beautiful. And, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's an important moment, um, for them as a couple. Oh, very much so. Very, very much so. Um, it's interesting because I'm going to probably say for me an essential, you know, where I would recommend to have somebody do, I'm going to cheat a little bit also, um, for, mine it's going to be probably robot um the mm-hmm. first tom baker story which is awesome the introduction of the scarf the introduction of the scarf <laughs> and, and, and you get to see the doctor dressed as a viking so which is pretty awesome yeah. and then for new series i'm gonna to have to echo uh, matthew and go with the 11th hour it basically reintroduces the whole mythos of doctor who it you know, starts off fresh and you have, ne- if you have never seen Doctor Who or anything before that, you could pick it up right there and go forward and you would be fine. And, you know, then go back and catch what you've missed before. So I definitely would recommend that. Uh, but there's so, you know, there's so many different ones. If you hear a story title that catches your you know fancy, that's, you know, what you should do. Or if you see you're passing on Pluto TV and they have the old series on, sit down and start watching it. The problem with that is they show them in half-hour episodes. And so if you, you know, you might have to come in like halfway through a storyline or something like that. Hmm. So, but there's definitely um, BritBox, we always recommend. And then, of course, HBO Max right now is showing the new series. Yeah. And so I think they just added uh, Doctor Who Flux. So they're all the way through. I don't think they're showing any of Jody's specials yet. So I'm not 100%. Don't take my word on that one. Because, <laughs> you know, we're not perfect on the show, as we like to say. So it's it's pretty awesome. And it's neat to be able to talk to people. So and, and whenever you meet another Whovian who's your doctor and, you know, and everything like that. It's always a cool, cause you have a little fraternity slash sorority of doctor who fans and it's pretty yeah. awesome. 
And, and, and on that note, too, I, I want to make sure that we, you know, we call these essentials and we have suggestions for things. But this is we are by no means like gatekeeping. Like, like this is not like you have to watch these or you're not considered a no, Doctor no, Who fan or anything all. like that. That is that is not the point of this story, uh, this episode uh, at all. Um, we just are throwing things out there that we think are special and important to the franchise and hope you check them out. Um, but whatever your love, whenever you came in and joined Doctor Who, however you discovered Doctor Who, whether you watch it religiously or whether you just watch it here and there, um, you know, I'm glad that uh, you have found some enjoyment from the franchise. It's all love, no matter how you watch it. Absolutely. Yeah. And always remember, if you put 10 Doctor Who fans in a room, you're going to get 11 opinions. <laughs> yeah, <right>. <laughs> <laughs> Damn straight. It's exactly right. Thank you guys that's, for that's everybody for point. joining us. And it's awesome that we got to do this discussion. You know what? It's been a blast. And, you know, it's always fun to be able to come live for you. I think StreamYard worked pretty well once we got the little the uh, bugs so. knocked out and everything like that. But definitely, if you get a chance, of course, you know, we are found up on EarthStationWho.com. Or you can also listen to our podcast wherever fine podcasts are found. The audio version of this will be going live probably by the end of this week. So definitely check it out. And, you know, we'll probably, you know, end up doing another video probably in the fall, probably right around the time of the Centennial episode. I think we might do that as a review of it actually live. I think we probably be good. I think that'll be our next time we do that. But speaking of live, we are going to be at DragonCon. Um, We have... I can officially say we have been approved for an Earth Station Who panel, and we are going to be doing a review of the Jodie Whittaker era of Doctor Who. So we promise it will not be all chimnal bashing. I promise you. No, not at all. No. No. That's not not, not our intent at all. It may turn into that, but it's not our intent. (laughs) Which is is awesome. But I'm looking forward to it, and uh, right now we don't have a date or time because they haven't sent out schedules yet. So, and I know we had a tentative time, but it's already been changed. So, you know, you'll find us. And I hate to say it, when the app comes out, everyone drink. You know, um, <laughs> you know, for Dragon Con, look up Earth Station. Who we will be up in there, and you know, it's going to be a ton of fun to talk all about it. And it's always great to meet our fans and meet. Other Whovians. It's pretty darn awesome. Of course, you know, if you want to leave us feedback, feedback at earthstationwho.com. If you ever want to help support the station, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash ESO network. And of course, we have a T Public store, which Mary keeps up with really cool t shirt ideas and everything. And And it's really fun. Oh, the sarcasm right there. I love it. (laughs) And it's just just awesome to be able to talk to you guys. Uh, Let's thank our guests for being here tonight. Let's thank everyone over in Facebook and over in YouTube land for joining us. Let's give them a round of applause. Thank you, everybody, for being our guests and our people up here. Melanie, thank you. Thank you so, so much. Well, thank you always for having me on and talking Doctor Who. I love doing it. I love putting you on the spot. It's awesome. Yay. Anything you want to promote? 
Um, no, um, you can just follow me on Instagram and Facebook here at Pieces of Melee. Um, right now I'm trying to do painting, but it's been more about me rescuing cats at the moment. Hence why you've been seeing me, uh, being muted here because one's going nuts on my desk. Of course. But, yeah, of course. That's it. So you, are you going to be doing new Doctor Who type paintings with paw prints on it? With, you know, kids <laughs> That's probably what's going to be happening at some point is someone's going to be running through something. I, I, I think, I, I think, it. I think those would sell. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'll make sure that they're new, 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 new earth. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Novice game. <laughs> yep. Cat or who? I love it. I love it. There we go. Marketing, marketing, marketing. Matthew, thank you so much for joining us, my friend. Always a pleasure. Glad that State Yard finally cooperated so I could get on here. Oh, us too. Us too. Alan, sorry you couldn't make it with us tonight. I knew you were having technical difficulties. Uh, but we will have you on next time. Promise. Hopefully, StreamYard will behave by then. Uh, Matthew, anything you want to promote? Um, you can find me on uh, Twitter at Facebook at Kressel Writes. That's um, K-R-E-S-A-L-W-R-I-T-E-S. Um, I'm reviewing Big Finish and other geeky stuff over on Warp Factor. And if you feel so inclined to buy my fiction writing, I do have a Cold War alternate history novel called Our Man on the Hill, available now on Kindle from Sea Lion Press. Fantastic. And we will have notes to that up on our show notes and links to it. So very cool. And let's thank our regulars for being here, of course, tonight. Mr. Mike Gordon, thank you, my friend. As always, it's my pleasure. And of course, Ms. Mary Ogle, thank you, thank you. Oh, thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. And you want to promote your artwork also? You can find me at maryogle.com or on Etsy at eVision Arts. Excellent. And everyone, thank you again for listening. And hope it wasn't too scattered tonight. It was just all over the place tonight. <laughs> we will be back again in two weeks. And we are going to be going back to Big Finish of all places. We are going to be doing the Paternostra Gang Heritage 4. It's the final one of the Big Finish series that they were working on. Yay. And so it should be fun to talk about Jenny Strax and Madame Vastra. So it should Those be. Those have been really good. They have been good. So it's going to be fun to follow it up and see what they have. And at least we won't get the big, loud uh, river song theme. So, okay. <laughs> so, so it'll be cool. On behalf of myself, thank you guys, everyone at home, everyone on Facebook and Yahoo. Not Yahoo. YouTube. Thank you. That's <laughs> awesome. See, this, your age there. I know. Exactly. So thank you guys. Peace. Hug your loved ones, and we'll see you next time on the Earth Station Who podcast. Peace, and we are done. Boom. Bye, guys. So long. Thanks for all the fish. You have been listening to Earth Station Who, a bi-weekly pop culture podcast dedicated to all things Doctor Who, featuring talents from across the universe. All topics on the show are the sole opinions of the individual and are used for entertainment value alone. You can subscribe to our podcast up on iTunes, Stitcher, or follow our blog at www.esopodcast.com. You can also follow us up on Facebook, Twitter, or Google+. If you enjoyed the show, please leave feedback up on iTunes. Winter is coming. Prepare.
prepare with a fine cigar and listen to the Cigar Nerds Podcast. We smoke cigars and talk about movies and all kind of nerdy things. Available at CigarNerdPodcast.com. Also on the ESO Network at ESONetwork.com. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.